All right, welcome everyone. Time for us to begin. You can find a spot. This is our fourth session of ten in our series, Committed uh, Marriage. How you doing? And we'll be on session four in your notes when the DVD starts. But prior to the DVD, I'm going to make some uh, introductory comments. If you've been with us uh, for the first three weeks, you've heard me say that expectations minus reality uh, results in trouble. And this series, uh, the DVD portion, is based on a book called What Did You Expect? And it plays off of that notion that we all go into situations, including marriage, where we have expectations which if not met in reality, can result in frustration, anger, depression, bitterness, fights, and so on. So that's why I say expectations minus reality equals trouble. And as an example of the kinds of lofty expectations that many people go into marriage with, some of you are old enough to remember the Carpenters and their uh, wedding song, We've Only Just Begun. We've only just begun to live, white lace and promises, a kiss for luck and we're on our way. We've only just begun. Before the rising sun we fly, so many roads to choose. We'll start out walking and learn to run, and yes, we've just begun. Sharing horizons that are new to us, watching the signs along the way, talking it over, just the two of us, working together day to day. And then here's my favorite part. And when the evening comes, we smile. Not really. <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's the expectation, that's the vision, right? And just envisioning these evenings after we've completed our tasks, and then we smile, and then we talk about the next day and all of that. But the truth is, reality sets in. And when the evening comes, we collapse. Because life has gotten very busy and often very complicated. So when the evening comes, we smile so much of life ahead. We'll find a place where there's room to grow. And yes, we've just begun. So you can see how this expectations game can very easily remain unmet by reality. And then the gap between those results in, results in trouble. There are activities, there are situations in life that I call treadmill situations. Treadmill situations. That is, a, a treadmill circumstance, a treadmill situation is one in which you get started, but once you're on it, it's very difficult for you to get off. It's very difficult for you to stop and to take time to evaluate where I'm going whether I'm going anywhere, if I'm going in the right direction. And marriage is one of those treadmill situations. Once you get on it, it simply takes on a life of its own. And you can get swept away in the current of the circumstances surrounding your marriage so that you have little time and perhaps little energy to evaluate where you're going with it. 
So treadmill situations. I sometimes get uh, the opportunity to uh, counsel guys who are going into ministry or recently in ministry, uh, particularly about church planting, starting churches since ours is a church plant. And one of the things I warn them about is the treadmill. That beware that once you get started, the church can take on a life of its own as well. And if you don't bake into the life of that church, into its structure, times for you to step back and evaluate what you're doing, whether or not what you're doing is getting you where you believe you're supposed to go. So church life can be like that. Married life can certainly be like that. Having children be a treadmill situation. You have a baby. Now we've got the baby. We've got the baby tonight. We've got the baby tomorrow. We're going to have the baby for the rest of its life. And we're in the stream. Here we go. And there's, there's little time to be able to backtrack and say, okay, now what do we do? Are we doing this right? Once you get into it, there are situations that you get caught up in the current. I call those treadmill situations versus a, a track situation. Track circumstances. Those are situations in which you have a starting point and you have an ending point. And you know where you're going in a, in a track situation. And so track activities, I say, have a defined duration and goal. So you're taking a class or you're pursuing a degree. That's a track circumstance, right? So I know what the end point is. Presumably I have some ideas to why I'm doing this. I have an idea as to how long it'll take. So you can think of lots of track activities. But then treadmill activities are repetitive. And they have no necessary, and that's the key word, necessary goal. Now they can and should have a goal, but they don't necessarily have a goal. Track activities, by definition, have an endpoint. They have a goal, something you're trying to reach. The things in which you can just get caught up in the current, swept up in the situation, Treadmill circumstances and activities are repetitive, they keep going, and there's no necessary goal to them. Now, how do you marry these then? No pun intended. How do you put these together? There are treadmill situations and track situations, but here's the thing that we always need to bear in mind. And that is, the treadmill is for the track. You see, all of, all of the situations in, in life from a Christian biblical standpoint that we are in, even if they are repetitive and don't have an obvious goal to them, can have a goal applied to them, should have a goal applied to them. And when we are on the treadmill with our children, in our marriages, in our churches, that treadmill and our time on the treadmill is meant for us to get on the track and accomplish goals. Intermediate goals, long-term goals. The treadmill is designed for the track. And so, in a marriage, if a marriage is going to be successful, a marriage is going to have to have times where you stop the treadmill. And you step back and you say, are we moving in the direction 
we need to go. And what are some of the short-term goals that we should have as a couple, as a family, for our, our marriage? And so the treadmill is for the track. And establishing a goal, I'll talk about God's goals for marriage in a minute, but having established a goal or goals provides a standard of evaluation as to whether or not we're moving in the right direction, how well we're doing in getting there. If you don't have an end point, if you don't have an end game, if you don't have a purpose, then there's no way to determine whether or not things are going well, whether things need to be improved. So the, the goal provides for you, has this benefit, tremendous benefit, of providing a standard to evaluate the treadmill activity that, that you're on. Marriage in this case. And the goal provides the purpose for the treadmill. You know, things that are repetitive become mundane by their very nature. And we can easily become dissatisfied in those kinds of activities. Just going through the motions. And the thing that keeps a treadmill activity from being a just going through the motions that I dread and hate is that I understand that I'm on this treadmill, I'm involved in this activity for a good and glorious and great purpose. And so the goal provides purpose for the treadmill and in turn provides meaning for being involved in this activity at all. Now, before I go on and look at God's purposes then for marriage, I just want all of us to pause and think about it. Isn't that the case with many of our activities? They just take on a life of their own and we just start doing it. And our marriage relationships are like that as well. And many of our marriage relationships have become that. We're just in the stream day to day, but never stepping back to say, why did we start this? Where is this going? What is it that's supposed to be accomplished in this most important relationship of marriage? So let's take a few minutes to think about God's goals for marriage. The Bible teaches that one of God's goals for our marriages is for us to together mirror His image. Now, if you've been at our church for any length of time, you've heard me say that if you're ever asked what is the purpose for anything, if you say to bring glory to God, you'll be right. So if you're ever in a small group, you're ever in one of our classes, and you're asked a question, whatever the question is, if you have no clue, but you're forced to give an answer, say bring glory to God. Okay? And you'll have a good shot. It's true that scripturally the purpose that God has for everything, every situation, every moment of every day, both in the past, both now and into the future, is always the same thing, to bring glory to God. But what does that mean, to bring glory to God? The glory of God is His character. And so when we say bring glory to God, we mean display the character of God. And so God's purpose in everything that he does is to display his character. God likes to see his own reflection, his own character. That's his highest goal, as a matter of fact. And many of us have never thought of that, but the truth is, what higher goal could God have? 
As one theologian said, he's stepping up. So what else would there be for him to aspire to other than the reflection of his own perfect character? And you see this in creation, don't you? That, that God says to the, the, the creation, says to the first man and woman, be fruitful and multiply. But the Bible tells us, before he tells them to be fruitful and, and multiply, that he made them male and female in his image. So God makes the humanity with the capacity to reflect him, to be little mirrors reflecting his character back to him. And then he says, I want to see lots of these mirrors in my world. So be fruitful and multiply. And so God's, God's purpose, his ultimate purpose, for everything at all times is to bring glory to himself. That means to display his character. And he made humanity with the ability, the unique ability, to reflect him back to him both on a personal and a moral level. So how does marriage fit into that? God says in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, that he created them in his image, male and female. He created them. And so God has created women with particular kinds of characteristics and men with particular kinds of characteristics. And together, both of them give a full picture of the character of God, the image, the image of God. And God has designed it that way for us in our marriages as couples to mirror His character fully now as, as, as one, two having been made one, bringing both of our characteristics into the relationship and then mirroring God's character back to Him. Now we're going to look at a couple of other of God's purposes then for marriage. But this is chief because it's the glory, the character of God. And so ask yourself, as you evaluate where you are, where are we on the track, why are we on this treadmill of marriage, does our marriage express, display the character of God? Now what is that character? Think about some of the character qualities of God that will be expressed in marriage. Love, faithfulness, graciousness, you can, make a, you can make a long list of the character qualities of God that He has designed for us to reflect back to Him and that are to be seen fully in the marriage relationship between man and woman. And so are those the characteristics, are those characteristics of God the characteristics of your marriage? If not, then there is indeed work to be done. And that's why I said earlier, that the goal provides a standard of evaluation. So where are we in terms of displaying the character of God? Secondly, God has designed marriage for us to mutually complete one another. Mutually complete one another. So God has designed marriage for two individuals to come together in unity, but also to bring together their diversity, male, female, different personalities, to complete the other. 
And so, in every marriage relationship, you've got two individuals that have strengths and weaknesses. They have strengths that need to be augmented, that need to be encouraged, that need to be strengthened. And they have, and they have weaknesses that need to be addressed. And very often in our marriages, my strengths are Kim's weaknesses. And Kim's strengths are my weaknesses. And I find that I need to learn from, from her and she needs to teach me in certain areas of, of my own development. And likewise, I need to do the same thing, same thing for her. So what does that require? Well, that requires, at minimum, that we are willing to discuss what our strengths and what our weaknesses are. And to be honest about those. And to be willing to evaluate them and then see how that the, the other the, the spouse, our spouses, can help us become complete as we strengthen those strengths and improve our weaknesses. And then the third goal that God has for marriage. For those that are able, this side of Genesis 3 in a fallen world because of sickness, disease, and so on. It's not always possible. But for those who are able, God has designed to multiply a godly legacy. And so, those who get married, if, I, if I'm doing premarital counseling with a couple, and we come to this, and I go over these, by the way, in premarital counseling, these purposes God has, and I come to multiply a godly legacy, and if the couple says, we don't want to have children, then I say, let's back up and talk about that. Because this is one of the purposes for which God has, has given marriage, for you to be fruitful and multiply. Unless there's some kind of physical problem with that, then that's what God has designed in order for his image to be multiplied. And not just multiplied physically, but notice, it's to multiply a godly legacy. So this begins to give purpose to our parenting as well. Because now in our marriages, we need to model before these children godliness because God has designed for us to multiply a legacy to the next generation and through them, the generation after that. So mirror God's image. Mutually complete one another. Multiply a godly legacy. These are the, the, the goals that God provides in Scripture for marriage. And they provide a way for us to determine how we're doing in our marriages. Now, we don't want answers out loud just to yourself and as couples tonight or tomorrow, this week. But I want to encourage you to, to take these goals that God gives for marriage as ways to evaluate where you are. And then to talk about whether or not we are reflecting God's character back to Him in the way we interact with each other. Whether or not we are intentionally trying to help each other boost our strengths and work on our weaknesses. Then if we have children, whether or not we are intentionally and well multiplying a godly legacy. Now today, Paul Tripp is going to speak for 28 minutes. And he is uh, he's going to be doing session four in your notes. I think it's on page 11. Is that page 11? Page 10, session 4, page 10. Now, on pages, 
On pages 3 and 8 in your notes, Paul has given in the prior three sessions two principles of marriage. And now in this fourth session, he's going to give the third of his three principles. And so we'll listen to Paul, and then I'll finish up after he's done. So there's the kingdom of self, and there's the kingdom of God. And which of those comes naturally? Clearly the kingdom of self comes naturally. You don't have to work at pursuing the kingdom of self. You have to work at moving from the kingdom of self to the kingdom of God. Now, add to that fact then that the kingdom of self comes naturally. You don't have to do anything to be in the kingdom of self. You were, you were brought into this world already in the kingdom of self. And I'll add to that that there are these treadmill situations that we have. One of which is marriage. And so I come into marriage and I get on the marriage treadmill with the kingdom of self. And I continue on that treadmill. I become, I become more enmeshed in the kingdom of self. My marriage becomes more difficult. If I never get off the treadmill to evaluate and change. And so in our remaining moments, I want to give some help, some guidance in how to evaluate how we need to change. We've been looking at commitments. We gave you this one a couple of weeks ago. And over our ten weeks together, we're going to see six commitments to a reconciliation lifestyle. So that was the, the first one. And I'm not going to leave it up long enough for you to copy it down. But here's the second. Commitment number two is we will make growth and change our daily agenda. That means getting off the treadmill and the kingdom of self so that I can pursue the kingdom of God. Now, how practically can that happen? Do evaluation as to where I need to grow and where I need to, to change. How does that practically happen? Well, I want to give you some things that develop in the kingdom of self while we're on the treadmill of our, our marriages. Very commonly, I want to give those to you under two categories. The first one is pulling weeds, and the next one is planting seeds. Pulling weeds and planting seeds. So pulling weeds may, means looking at the things that need to be removed and changed. Planting seeds the things that need to be established and cultivated in our marriage. So if we're going to be committed to growth and change on a daily basis, it's going to mean looking at the things that need to be removed and the things that need to be established and cultivated. What things need to be removed? Paul's talked about the kingdom of self, selfishness. First. He's talked a good bit about that, so let me give you a second one, though, and that is just a, a fact of life on the treadmill 
of marriage, and that is busyness. Now, one of the things that adversely affects our ability to evaluate ourselves and in turn our marriages is our busyness on the treadmill. And if you want a substitute word for that busyness, for most of us, it's, it's materialism. We're so busy because we are pursuing stuff. And therefore don't have time to get on track, to evaluate where we are. So selfishness needs to be pulled. Busyness needs to be pulled. Inattention needs to be pulled. Simply hoping that things will get better isn't going to make them better. Failure to give intentional attention to our marriages and where we are will result in continuing building of the kingdom of self. Here's another that needs to be pulled, and that is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. And, and what I mean by that is that we are unwilling to look at ourselves in the mirror or allow our spouse to point out our issues that need to be changed because of our own self-justification, self-righteousness. Just a few more. Fear. Another weed that's got to be pulled in the garden of our marriages if we're going to, if, if the marriage is going to flourish. Now, what do I mean by fear? Fear of what the Bible calls Proverbs 29:25, the fear of man. Now, how does that apply to marriage? The fear of man will prove to be a snare. The word fear in your Bible refers to reverence, fear of God, revering God. The fear, the reverence of God is the beginning of wisdom. And the reverence of man will prove to be a snare. And this is how in our marriages we revere our spouses in a detrimental way. We're looking to our spouses for what only God can give us. And as a result, we are revering man. We are revering our spouse in ordinance. It's one of the weeds that have to be pulled from the garden of our marriages if we're going to plant seeds that need to be cultivated. And then lastly, it's just plain old laziness. Because when you're on the treadmill, you're kind of on autopilot. And laziness will keep us just going in the same direction and not doing the hard work, and it is hard work, of evaluating where we are and where we need to go. Now, I don't want to leave you with just these are all the problems and these are all the things that need to be uprooted. If we're going to be committed to daily growth and, and change, then there are things that need to be planted and cultivated. And you remember before we started looking at the DVD, I said that God's chief purpose for all things is to bring glory to himself, and in marriage that means for us to mirror God's image together as male and female back to him. That means his character, right? You remember that? So then what needs to be planted and cultivated in our relationships? I want to, I want to encourage you this week to look at Galatians chapter 5 
Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. And then verse 22 and 23. Galatians 5, 13 through 15, and verses 22 and 23. Now some of you will recognize Galatians 5, 22 as the fruit of the Spirit. So if God's purpose for all things, including my marriage, is for me to reflect Him back to Him, as I get off the treadmill so that I can do evaluation, so that I can run the track toward the goals that He has set for me, if I'm going to do that, then I need to identify this character of God that needs to be forming in my life and taking root in our marriage. And no better place to begin than with the fruits of the Spirit. The character of God that He desires to see in the life of each, each of us. Now, in order for that character, in verse 22, that is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, in order for that to be planted and cultivated, I gave you verses 13 through 15. In order for that to happen, in order for that to flourish, in order for that to take root, verses 13 through 15 say this. Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So if the fruit of the Spirit is going to be planted, take root, and be cultivated in our lives and in our marriages, it is only going to happen when we commit to serving one another in love. Failure to do that is going to mean the kingdom of self, as Paul said, is going to reign and we will be combative with one another, and ultimately devour each other. And so I want you to this week, take a look at Galatians 5, look at the fruits of the Spirit, and then ask yourself if you're serving your spouse in love, such that you're seeing joy, and expressing joy, and cultivating joy, and peace in your relationship and kindness, and gentleness, self-control. Guys and gals, that is how and the only way that we'll get off the treadmill, see God's goal for us to display His character in our lives and in our marriages, and then begin to see that planted and cultivated. Let's ask God then to bless us this week and to bring us back safely next. Father, we thank you for these four weeks that we've been able to have to look at this most important of human relationships that you have given, marriage. We thank you, Lord, for not in any respect leaving us to wander around blindly without direction, but rather you have given us light, you've given us a lamp, you have given us uh, instruction and direction in your word. So we thank you that marriage is your idea and that you have told us how it's to how it's to be pursued. You've told us why you've given it and why you've given all things, namely to bring glory to yourself. Help us to see the absolute necessity of being vessels 
that display the character of God, individually and as couples. And I pray that indeed we will be people who see the need to kill the kingdom of self and to pursue hard the kingdom of God and therefore see the need to commit to daily growth and change in our individual lives and in our marriages. Lord, help us to see that you have told us what kind of fruit that ought to bear in our lives. So help us to take the time this week to discuss what kind of fruit is being seen in our lives and marriages, whether or not we are mirroring, mirroring your image back to you. Help us this week, Lord, to implement what we've heard, grant us safety, and bring us back next, next week. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.